Holy Spirit, Matthew tells us, he says, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. The reason, as um, William Hendrickson writes, the reason for the earthquake was the descent from heaven of God's special messenger and angel. He stepped forward, took the stone completely out of its groove, and turned it over on its side. The result being the heavy stone was lying flat on the ground, and the angel was sitting upon it to symbolize Christ's triumph. Mm. What a scene. What a scene. Now, some have mistakenly thought that the angel rolled away the stone to let Jesus out. No, no. <laughs> he was already gone. The resurrection had happened. He, by the power of the triune God, had left the tomb. No, the angel, the angel removed that stone so that Mary and the women, Peter and John, could go into that tomb and testify, He is not in this place. He's gone. He is risen. He was victorious over the grave. He is risen indeed. Now, the appearance of this angel and the sudden earthquake caused the symbols of human power, that is, these soldiers, to quake. In fact, in the original Greek language, we, uh, the NASB has um, shook, but the, the, the LSB, the Legacy Standard Bible, the, the revision of it, has it right, quaked. It's a play on words. These men quaked in their shoes. They quaked so much out of fear that they became as dead men. That is, they passed out. They fell unconscious. This is a condition of utter helplessness. And it, it, it's as if the Almighty laughed at the futility of man's power, saying, no, no, you cannot keep my son in the grave. You can put a seal around the stone. You can put guards outside. But I am going to raise my son from the dead because I have accepted his atoning sacrifice for the sins of my elect. Psalm 2.4 says, He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. By means of the resurrection of Christ from the grave and the mighty earthquake that appropriately accompanied it, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ not only laughed in the faces of the plotters who had requested this guard, he also smiled benignly upon all his dear children for what he was actually saying was this, I have accepted this sacrifice as a complete ransom for the sins of all who take refuge in my Son. Romans chapter 4 and verses 24 to 25 say this, He who was delivered over on the account of our transgressions was raised on account of our justification. 
Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, my friends, today, because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, if you have trusted in him as Savior and Lord, you have peace with God. Peace with God. The blood of Jesus Christ has washed your sins away. They are gone. Hallelujah for that. Now, in the time that we have today, that was introduction. We're going to look at four points. Number one, the astonishing discovery. Number two, the amazing declaration. Then the affectionate drawing. And then lastly, the active directive. Beginning in verse number five, we see here this astonishing discovery. The women go to the tomb on the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, which is Sunday. The the Sabbath, that was Saturday being passed. Now we know today uh, being Sunday is the Lord's Day, and it is the Christian Sabbath because of the resurrection of Christ. And they come to look at the grave, and they see an angel in verse 3 sitting there on that stone, and his appearance is like lightning. And his clothing white as snow, purity, holiness. But they are terrified, they're startled fear. And he says to them, don't be afraid. Now, what he's saying there is, is don't you be afraid. That's how it reads in the original, the the emphatic you or ye It's don't you be afraid. In other words, don't you be afraid like these guards who are passed out. Don't you be afraid like the enemies of the cross. You don't have anything to be afraid of. I'm truly grateful today for the fear nots of Scripture. Fear not. I am with you. Do not be afraid, the Lord tells us. I will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus says, be strong and of good courage. Many fear nots in the Bible. And I'm I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul's words in 2 Timothy 1.7. For God hath not given us a spirit of fearfulness or timidity or fear, you could say, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Oh, as John Gill wrote, the angels were their friends, their fellow servants, and ministering spirits to them. They had nothing to fear. The believer has nothing to fear. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But there's a searching frustration here. They go to the tomb expecting that stone they're, they're hoping the stone, somebody will move it so they can go in. And they're expecting to see Jesus, the body of Jesus, so they can anoint the body of Jesus. So there's a searching frustration. But the angel says to them, I know who you are looking for. They love Jesus. And they were desiring to show their loving devotion to him by anointing his body for his burial. 
then he gives them a statement of fact. And I want to zero in on this for a moment. That is, Jesus who was crucified. Do you see that? It says here, verse 5, I know who you are looking for, for Jesus who has been crucified. Our Lord Jesus died, willingly died on the cross of Calvary. He suffered fully the full wrath of God on our behalf. He was not merely unconscious as the liberals have taught in the swoon theory. And they laid him in the tomb and he was unconscious and somehow the refreshing morning breeze revived him and that's how he rose. No, no, Jesus was crucified. That's part of the gospel message as we're going to see in 1 Corinthians 15. He was dead. He was buried. Jesus died. He had to die for you and I, a substitutionary atonement. He was pierced for our transgressions. You see, he died willingly. He gave up his life for you and me. Very significant fact, as the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5 and verse 6, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. The ungodly. You and I, before we were saved, were ungodly, lost, alienated from God. But Christ Jesus died to save you and I and to bring us and to reconcile us to the Father. We read as well in verse 8, but God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Think about that. Think about that. Enemies of God. People who hated God. Listen, we're not born neutral. That's a, that's a fallacy today. That we hear sometimes in even some theological circles that somehow, you know, we can choose to be bad or we can choose to be good either way. No, no, we are born totally depraved. What that means is, is every fiber of our being has been touched, has been marred by sin. We are helpless. We cannot approach God. We will not approach God unless God in His sovereign grace touches our hearts and awakens us from the dead and brings us to faith in Christ. And I am thankful today that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that happens as the gospel is preached around this world. The dead are being raised every single day. And the power of the gospel is still active. It's still active in Holland, Michigan. It's still active in Grand Rapids. It's still active in Flint, Detroit, everywhere in the state of Michigan, even Chicago, all around the world. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. But under this heading, the astonishing discovery, they had startled fear, a searching frustration. Then the angel gives them this statement of fact. He is, Jesus has been crucified rather. He then gives this statement of scriptural Fulfillment. He is 
not here. Hallelujah for that. He was laid, as John Gill said, he was laid in the grave, but God the Father would not leave him there nor suffer him to see corruption. Psalm 16.10. No, no. Scripture was fulfilled. He would not see decay. He would not lay in that grave four, five, six days. No, no. He was risen from the dead the third day. And that's where we find this amazing declaration in verse number 6 of Matthew 28. He is not here, for he is risen just as he said. Very important. Christ's resurrection, listen carefully, was not spiritual. Say, what do you mean by that? It was physical. There are those that say, oh, yes, Jesus rose, but it was only spiritual. No, that's a liberal idea. Jesus rose bodily, physically from the dead. 1 Corinthians 6.14 says, Now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. You see, it's because he has risen from the dead, brothers and sisters, that every born-again believer will rise from the dead. We have that great hope. Listen, I want to share something personal with you. Two months ago, my mother passed away, pancreatic cancer. She had cancer for a a year and a half. She knew Christ. She loved Christ. It's hard to lose a loved one. It is. Many of you have. But let me tell you, I have the blessed hope today that I will see my mother again. She's in heaven today because of Christ. But one day she'll have a new body, a new immortal body. You and I will have an immortal body like Christ's. We will rise at the last day. Physical resurrection and a new heaven and a new earth. And it will be forever. No corruption anymore. Death, where is your sting? It's gone because of the resurrection. Oh, Christ's resurrection was physical. It was powerful, supernatural. We believe in a supernatural God. God is omnipotent. He, as we read and heard about today in his providence, he governs the law of nature, the laws of nature. He doesn't have to submit to those things. He governs them. He can overrule them. And so he did here. He rose Jesus from the dead. An act of holy omnipotence. Nothing is impossible with God. Our hope is in the name of the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. And he is God Almighty. Christ's resurrection was prophetic. Notice it. The angel said, he is risen just as he said. Everything 
that Christ prophesied has either come to pass or will come to pass. Everything that the prophets in the Old Testament prophesied has come to pass or will come to pass because the word of God is sure. Jesus said to his disciples, in fact, in Matthew chapter 16, we read about this, that Jesus, after Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ, it says from that time, verse 21, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. He had said this, but they were not receiving it as we saw last week because they had a concept of the Messiah that didn't include that. But what he said was absolutely correct. He rose from the dead, just as he said. Peter Marshall was a former chaplain of the United States Senate. And he had a massive heart attack. And as he was placed in an ambulance, he waved to his wife and said to her, Honey, I will see you in the morning. Now, he did not mean the dawn of tomorrow morning. Rather, he meant the dawn of the resurrection day. He knew that he would not survive this heart seizure. And he knew that one day, the last day, they would see each other again in resurrected form. Yes, absent from the body is present with the Lord. Those who die today that our Christians go immediately into the presence of Christ. We believe that in their souls. But one day, as physical as you and I are right now with our hands and material, we will be raised again, and this earth will be new. It will be a new earth, a new heaven, at the last day, at the day of Christ's return. That is the great hope of the resurrection, that this is not it. That sin does not have the last say. Oh no, Christ is victorious over sin. He is victorious over the curse. He has removed it and he will make all things new. The trump will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. New heaven, new earth, redeemed creation, fully glorified. Now look again at verse 6 and we see here, the affectionate drawing. He says, come, see the place where he was lying. The angel gets up off of the stone and goes inside the tomb and bids the women, come, see, see the place where the Lord was lying. This is a personal invitation. And it's almost as if we could say today to you, Come see the Lord, place where the Lord is lying. Come and enter. See with eyes of faith. Engage. Engage the place where the Lord lay. Trust. Believe. Experience the reality of the resurrection in your own heart and life. <clears throat> the Christian faith 
is not some abstract theory. It's not just an intellectual assent. There are those that unfortunately treat it that way. They think, well, I've, I've read the Bible or I've gone to church and I, I know about this or that. No, no, the Christian faith is a vibrant faith. It's a personal faith. It's experiential. And one of the things that I so enjoy about the Puritans, experiential Christianity, warmth, vibrant, passionate, fervent relationship, the Holy Spirit. Christ has given us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit lives within us. And we can have that sweet communion with the risen Lord through the means of grace. It's a beautiful thing. And so I encourage you today, if you don't know Christ, you can know him through grace and faith in him today. Come to him in faith. If you're a Christian today, it's encouraging. It's it's wonderful to have this this truth reinforced because sometimes we lose sight of our purpose. We lose sight of why is it we're here? What are we doing? We are celebrating, worshiping. We are glorifying the risen King of Kings who lives forever and his power is omnipotent. His power can change anybody, can make the foulest clean, can make the most miserable, wretched sinner a born-again saint of God who loves him with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. God's power is amazing. And we are here as a church, whether it's in Flint or, or here in, um, in uh, Holland, Michigan, I want to say Harbor, Michigan, <laughs> Holland, Michigan, wherever we're at, the local church is a lighthouse, is a beacon of that gospel truth for salvation. And that brings us to this fourth point, the active directive. They weren't to keep this to themselves. He says to them in verse number seven, go quickly. But notice what he says, go and tell his disciples. Why? They were discouraged. He had told them, I'm going to rise three days later. They're skeptical. They're down. Peter's disgusted with himself. He's failed the Lord. And yet, that's who they're to go tell, the disciples. Go tell the disciples. How we need to encourage each other with this truth today. It's very easy in these days, to lose focus of the main thing. What is the main thing? Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures, he was dead, he was buried, and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. I want to read this to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 4. Now I make known to you, brothers, the gospel, the good news, which I proclaimed as good news to you, which also you received, in which you also stand, 
by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I proclaim to you as good news, unless you believe for nothing. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. We're living in a time, and it's everywhere, where there's a lot of criticism. Criticism everywhere. And I want to encourage all of us, let us not have a critical spirit, but a caring spirit. How people need a word of encouragement today. And this is the most encouraging word you can give them. Christ is alive. He is alive. As a pastor, I'm not serving as a pastor right now, but as a pastor, I also serve as a hospice chaplain and have done so for three years. And it's been a wonderful ministry, ministering to people, and there are opportunities to share the gospel with those who are in their last days. But I also learn a lot from Christians who are on hospice. I'm not going to say her name. Um, I'll call her Catherine. Let's just do that. But I have a patient, and I'll call her Catherine, and she is a Christian. She has an operable cancer. But when I see her, she is always thrilled to talk about Jesus. She said to me, Friday, she said, I didn't know if I'd make it to Easter Sunday. I thought I'd be in heaven by now. But I'm glad that I'm able to celebrate Easter with my family. But she shared with me how she could witness more. But she can't due to her illness, and she was feeling bad about that. And I said, Catherine, listen. You can pray. You can pray. And, and that is so important. I shared with her I was preaching here today. I said, please, please pray for me. She says, oh, I want people to know Christ. I said, pray for that. God will answer your prayers. She's praying for the lost. She's praying for restoration and revival of churches. And she smiled and glowed and she says, yes, I can pray. And I reminded her of how she ministered to me and encouraged me. And she said to me, she says, Chaplain Eric, people need encouragement today. There's just so much controversy. She's at the end of her life. All she has is Jesus. This other stuff doesn't matter. And I want to encourage you today, whatever it is you deal with on a daily basis, put it in perspective. Is it really that important? What's really 
truly important is Christ is risen today in eternal life. Because when you and I, if God allows this to happen, are on our deathbed and not taken suddenly, these things that we worry about and get upset about are not going to matter. We have an entire eternity in front of us with Christ. Let us finish well. Let us finish with the main thing being the main thing, the gospel. I encouraged my church, and I'll encourage this one. People say, what is your mission statement? (laughs) Simple. Number one, glorify God. (laughs) That's my goal. I want to glorify God. Number two, reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every unbeliever, reach them. Number two, teach believers how to live for Christ. Three, train believers to serve Christ. That's what matters. That's what matters. Christ is alive today. He has a purpose for each of your lives. And that's what matters. That's what matters. Christ is risen today. May this glorious reality encourage you today. And go quickly and tell others that Jesus lives and of the hope that you have in him. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for the words of Scripture, for the truths therein. And I pray that you'll write it upon our hearts. Use it to glorify yourself. And I pray that your gospel would go forth today. And I pray that you will bring people to yourself through the power of the Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you, brother. Let's stand to sing our final hymn. It's Christ, our.